Hi, folks. This is your weekly reminder that we record this podcast in a house full of animals. There are dogs, there are cats. The sun is still up, so the chickens are still outside doing chicken things. And when we break, I'll go outside to put them away so they don't get caught in the dark because it'll be dark soon. And nothing is worse than sad chickens in the dark. No, not really. Except uh, happy chickens being eaten by coyotes. Yes. that's that's. I think that makes a sad chicken. Yeah, well, I, I don't honestly think that uh, it takes long enough for them to really experience a significant shift of emotional state. Fair. The other thing to mention at this juncture is this podcast is generally rated PG-13. That means we swear a lot, but we don't talk about anything explicit. But due to the nature of the podcasting companies... It's an A-B switch. It's either clean or explicit, and so we have to mark it as explicit. It's not really, so it's okay, mom and dad, if your kid's listening. Or it should be. Probably. Probably. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 72. I'm really excited. I have uh, our guest, Lila Sona, this week. And we had a great discussion about uh, her crafting and her making and some of her LARP stuff and her profession where she is a product manager, a a test and QA manager. Awesome sauce. So there's a lot to focus on in there and a lot to talk about. It was a great interview. We had a lot of fun. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, This week... In terms of productivity, since the last show, I'm still job hunting, but, you know, I'm finding some leads, I'm talking to some new people. I'm starting to get requests from people who aren't necessarily listeners to be interviewed on the show, so I'm, I'm starting to juggle that sort of thing. It's very weird. Uh, I'm very excited, and I just set one up that I'm not going to... If you re- podcast a better mousetrap, the world will beat a path to your door. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about a couple of these, and we'll be talking about them as I finalize them. But uh, needless to say, I'm just uh, floored and astounded and flattered and confused because I'm just this guy who does this little podcast. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, otherwise, targeting the companies I want to work for, I found a couple new resources for jobs that are primarily uh, remote. So I'm excited about that. For those of you who are listening to this on the day of release, it is Thanksgiving in the United States. We'll be at family's house. So there's been some juggling around, you know, logistics around that. Not as big a logistic or planning problem as if we were having dinner here. No, no. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's fortunately Kevin's lovely cousin Amy does the uh, yeah. Thanksgiving every year. And we go there. We eat. Kevin takes over cooking something because – it's what he does. It is and, what I do, yeah. Uh, Amy and I drink heavily and mm-hmm. sit around and, and are good-naturedly drunk. Which is which is good, yeah. And, and everybody... And the, I know what my job at these things are, is to provide <laughs> a liver <laughs> so that Amy does not drink alone and so that... And uh, uh, you're... Also, whenever I show up at any family function, immediately they pour me booze. And the theory uh, that has been put forward is that they are trying to get me too drunk to run away from what may happen later. It's, if uh, yeah, 10 years now. I don't think they're getting rid of you that easily. Uh, well, I mean, the ham is really good. The ham is good. There's ham at every family dinner just for Ursula now. Yes, it's, uh, it's uh, Amy's mom, Kevin's aunt, plies me with ham. 
mm-hmm. at uh, at every gathering. So I implied with ham and booze, and it's like they think they have to keep bribing me to keep Kevin, and I'm like, no, I I would keep Kevin anyway, but I'm not going to turn down the ham and booze. I, no, I really can't can't blame you on that one. <laughs> The other thing about it, though, is that I used to do the big uh, Orphan's Thanksgiving, and I would invite just I would just do a blanket invite if you don't have family, if you want to get away from your family, if you just want to come over, uh, I will have turkey and people can provide other things, and I just have people over, and it was an all-day event, and it was so rewarding and wonderful and exhausting, and as much as I enjoyed doing it, I'm kind of glad to have taken the last, what, five or six, seven years off, because... I mean, you were doing it for quite a while, and it mm-hmm. is it is a big logistical thing. Yeah. I, uh, uh, for lunch today, swung by Angelina's, our oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The Greek restaurant in town. She is prepping dozens of Thanksgiving things, mm-hmm. and uh, I know Angelina does a lot of work with the uh, food insecure in the neighborhood, so oh, yeah. uh, I a lot of those were probably... I am making you a Thanksgiving, damn it. And some of those <laughs> were undoubtedly, you know, uh, people paying for Thanksgiving stuff. And uh, just, you know, hotel pans of stuffing going by and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, have have a good Thanksgiving. And then I was like, actually, just have a good rest after the Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. And her husband yeah. was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, and I remember watching, like, our friends over at Lily Den Farm... Uh, every year when the turkeys come due and making sure that everybody picked up their turkey. Now, this is also the farm we got the, how much did that turkey come out to dress? <laughs> it was ridiculous. They had to, uh, they uh, they got the, the pulse too early yeah. and turkeys, uh, the broad-breasted white, and don't get me started on the problems with the broad-breasted right, white, right. but they just continue to grow. And, you know, these were free-range organic turkeys, but as he said, once they found where the feeder was, he would go and tell them to free-range. They would just be like, feeder's right here. I'm not going anywhere. And they got immense. And, like, he was like, you want a turkey for Thanksgiving? And we'd we'd thought about getting, like, a half one, I think. And he's like, how about a full size? We're like, okay. He's like, and can... Maybe you should invite a few more people over, like thirty or so. We um. He had to, he was having to uh, scald them in in uh, fifty gallon oil drums. Yeah, they were that big to 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 be able to pluck them. I ended up taking it apart when we got home. I mean, there was so much turkey that I think we had a breast and a leg. And that fed everybody in the family. Like 10 people, yeah. Yeah, and I still had a breast and a leg for Christmas. Uh, and I, you took a, a big chunk of it over to a friend. A yeah, friend, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I took, like, thighs. Because the, yeah. the thighs were the size of a normal turkey breast. It was incredible. I'm never doing that again. It, uh, they, they were, they were yeah. excessive. <laughs> they were excessive. Uh, anyway, uh, one thing I would put in, uh, speaking of all of this, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin, of course, is a feed people kind of person. Kind of am. So are most of his relatives. Uh, I have had many Thanksgivings where I sat at home by myself with Chinese takeout and played video games, and it was glorious. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like, fantastic. 
I, I enjoy going to Kevin's cousin. I'm not in any way, you know, saying I would rather stay home and play video games. But if you would rather stay home and play video games, that mm-hmm. is totally cool. Do not let anyone shame you and like, oh, it's so sad. You're alone on Thanksgiving. No. If you want to stay at home in your underwear and play The Sims, my God, get down with your bad self. Yeah. And I have at least one person I follow online who pretty much lost all of her family. Uh, and she's in her late 20s, early 30s. And she gets very angry at all of the family focus that goes on right now because she literally has no one and nothing and does not like these holidays at all. And no, the holidays can be very hard mm-hmm. for people. Yep. And and which certainly that's a, a, a separate matter. It's just mm-hmm. that there's also a, if you're just an introvert and you just want to hang out by yourself... There is this whole sort of societal pressure. You must right. go do a huge family gathering, and you don't have to. No, nobody mm. tells you how to, you know, how to enjoy a holiday. It, yeah. So don't absolutely don't let anybody be like, "Oh, you poor thing." Nah, just and and we play do Sims know, in your underwear. Oh, please. Uh, we do know that holidays can be hard for people who don't have family, have lost their family, um, are would est- prefer not to deal with their family, are, are estranged from their family, things yes. like that. And you know, there are lots of help. Of, help is available. Companionship is available. There, are, you have friends out there. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, now I've got another matter I want to talk about. Oh dear. Now that we're done with the holiday. No, this is something that was originally going to be in the November letters show that got preempted by the live show, which was so much fun and I hope everybody enjoyed it. And that is but I looked at it and I said this isn't something I can really wait a couple weeks till December for. And so it was a letter that came in. Uh dear Kevin, Thanks for the podcast. I've enjoyed listening to it over the past year. Also a big fan of the other two. As you're also in job hunt mode, I was wondering if you had any advice. I've been looking for a new position for a while, and it can be frustrating. I've gotten a couple interviews, lots of form letters saying I've not even gotten that, and no offers yet from all the jobs I've applied for, and the whole thing sucks. I also have depression, which does not make the rejections easier. How do you keep yourself from getting frustrated with the whole process? And do you have any advice on what helped you land jobs previously regards Almog? And also there's a PS regarding my name. Don't bother trying to get the pronunciation correctly. Just do your best. (laughs) So here's here's the thing about it. Uh, I have gone through this cycle a couple times. Sometimes it's... I'm, I have a job and I'm looking for a job. Sometimes it's, there was an unfortunate event. There's been a layoff. There's been a business change. There's, I have not ever been out and out fired, fired, except the one time. But it's hard and it is harsh. And I'm not going to say that it, it's easy. And I have points, like I think a week and a half ago, uh, two weeks ago, as I was filling out all the unemployment paperwork and all the stuff for that, looking at how much money they weren't going to give me and how much they were. And it's just, you know, like crushing to think that they've got questions like on it, like were you offered a job and turned it down? And the answer to, to that determines your eligibility, not just for that week's benefits, but for all your benefits from there, as if the most important thing on it is were you offered a job? And if you were offered that job, did you accept? And you better accept because we don't want to be paying you, right? Even if you're a bad fit, money, whatever. It's much harder when you're getting the rejections. I got a rejection last week. 
on a company I really wanted to work for. I got a rejection the week before on a company that that one was a shoot the moon sort of situation. I'm in that luxurious position where it's not mission critical. I have a job and work tomorrow. That doesn't make it any easier, right? It, to be rejected? No. To be, to be rejected. Except that you have one less layer of panic. Exactly. I have one less layer of panic. It's not this rejection means I don't eat. It's this rejection means I didn't get a thing I really wanted, which is still hard. Um, in the past, the biggest thing to keep my spirits up has been Ursula coming in and kicking me in the ass. <laughs> if I start, seriously, if I start to get into that spot where I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to get a job. This is so hard. It is so depressing. She will come in and say, all right, that's enough moping next. You're, you know, <laughs> she's my gatekeeper on that. I, well, I think it's just because I did it w once and uh, with my usual tact and grace, which is none whatsoever. Uh, yeah, well, you were you were getting pretty bogged down in self pity, yeah. and uh, I was like, "Yeah, well, you and everybody else in the world has had to deal with some shit." <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's this is not really a helpful thing to someone saying. How do I? How am I not depressed about getting rejected? Me come, showing up and going, yeah, well, everybody else in the world has shit too. Does not help you. So I don't feel like this is necessarily good for the letter writer. No, it, it's not. But I, I'm glad it helps you, dear. It, it helps me, but it also, I mean, before that, in a couple of job hunts, uh, my the first time I was actively fired, right, was terrible. It destroyed me. And now it didn't help that at the same time I was dealing with, you know, my marriage falling apart, which I didn't know about at the time, but it was in hindsight. And, and a whole bunch the, the, the yeah. pre-shocks of that usually are pretty damn stressful. Right. And so, you know, I mean, I before... did you have small children? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was 2005. So uh, Jake would have been about four and Ray was coming up on seven, seven or eight. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's, you know. that's a little stressful. Yeah, and so and I've got you know my ex-wife. I'm like I I don't want to travel because I you know I want to be able to spend time with you and the kids. And she's like, no, if it's fifty percent travel, seventy five percent travel, that'll be awesome. In hindsight, there's a clue there, <laughs> but you know, and so I I mean I did literally after a couple rejections find myself in the parking lot at the food line in downtown Pittsburgh, waiting for the bus to come drop off my kids, weeping uncontrollably about how I was a terrible person and a terrible father and a terrible provider and all that shit that society lays on top of you. Now, I am medicated now. Yes. I This this helps immensely. And I got medicated. That, that was when I called my doctor and said, you know what? I think I may be you know, depressed and, uh, and perhaps we should medicate this because I had been avoiding, she, she had said that I said, it sounded like I was clinically depressed and perhaps I would like to try medicine. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's, it's nothing like that. I don't think, oh yeah, I changed my tune really quick and it was a godsend. My doctor did that too, actually. And, and she said something that was very wise and which of course I did not listen to. It is one of those amazing pieces of good advice that, uh, I didn't take at the time, which was, if you need something, it's better to start it now when you just need it a bit than right. when you're at the bottom of a hole we have to drag you out of. Yep. 
and that was very intelligent, mm-hmm. but like probably 99% of humanity, I had to be in the hole. Yeah. And I got into the hole and was like, shit, should have done, oh, <laughs> this is what that, oh, right. yeah, she was right. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's kind of the thing about it. When Now, for the actual job hunt part of it, right, there's the whole, uh, I did a lot of faking it about being cheerful and it's that's not healthy but like uh depression comics the, from the guy who did uh i can't remember the 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 clay is the artist's name um he's like oh no you seem so cheerful and the person who is is standing in has like a paper a paper smiley face in front of their mouth showing that they are pretending to be happy i did a lot of that it's not it's not fun it's not easy but sometimes that actually you know helps going into the job now in terms of actually finding a job i have a vast personal network that i have built and cultivated over the last 20 years in this area so when i say hey i'm looking for a job and i'm looking for it in this industry typically i know somebody or i know somebody who knows somebody Honestly, and, I think part of the reason it's taking so long for you to find one right now is the fact that you're at the end of the year. Yeah. And yeah, yeah had and, this happened five months later, you'd, yeah. Yeah, it, it would be different. The other thing is that unlike prior times, I'm being very specific and targeted about what I want. I'm not wallpapering the internet and the Research Triangle Park with my resume. And and we may yet get to that phase. We but may. The, th- the problem is, on the rejection terms, when you're mm. applying to stuff that you specifically would like and can imagine yourself oh. working, it hurts a lot more than when it's just generic company 75. Yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of there was a lot of that when I, I talked to the one company that I would love to work for. There may still be something in 2019, but when I was talking to them and, I, and they were basically saying – We've decided not to go with that role this year. We need this other role more, more. And I'm like, I understand that completely. That doesn't mean I didn't have a moment of, damn it. I just, you know, even though it was literally not me, there was still a bit of that I'm not good enough, that that imposter syndrome or whatever. And it's hard to deal with. And the rejection is is hard to deal with. And, you know, I, I don't know if I have any helpful advice on getting through it, except... Solidarity. Solidarity. Call your friends. If it's getting tough, call your friends. Call... There are there are support lines out there if you your friends are, frankly, being assholes and are tired of hearing about it. Um, that's... You know, there there's stuff out there. There are people to talk to. Make use of them. If the depression is getting hard and and getting difficult to deal with, and if it's a medical issue and you mm-hmm. have not, you know, uh, hunted down that route, I will say uh, one of the problems with many antidepressants is the f- symptoms are front loaded. Oh God, yes. You uh, you start taking them and you have a week. Like if I go off Effexor, which I probably will never do again, but mm-hmm. uh, when I go back on it, I get a week of the flu, basically. See, I, I uh, don't brain flu. I, yeah, brain flu. Brain flu is a, a good one because it's not actually like sneezy coffee flu. No, it's just. But I lay in bed and don't do much. Yeah, I, uh, when I go off it, I get headaches. When I go off mine, I get headaches. And my doctor's like, "You're not supposed to be able to feel when it's working." I'm like, "Oh, I know exactly when it's working." 
I will just say that um, you, if you're going to front load the effects while you're unemployed, is an excellent time really to do is. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of scheduling, uh, and an unrelated note, if you're going to go on them, a lot of the reason a lot of people I think go uh, don't give them as much mm-hmm. of a chance is because it does. You do feel shitty at first. It's not oh, great. God, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you know you're going on to it. Schedule some downtime if mm-hmm. you have vacation or sick days or something. Yeah. And, uh, that's just general advice, not yeah. job hunt advice. Yeah. Now, specific to finding a job, I work my networks, right? I work my networks. I talk to my friends. I, you know, I am on LinkedIn right now every day, just checking, maybe commenting here and there. Um, LinkedIn is possibly one of the better resources for if you want a big corporate job. Then LinkedIn is like golden. My last two jobs were basically through LinkedIn. I, one I applied for and one was basically a cold call. And so if you're not on that social network on LinkedIn, you need to be if you're allowed to be. Uh, I say that because I have some some friends who are barred from social networks due to um, issues. So that's neither here nor there. The end result is, though, that you've got to just work those networks. You've, there's no, there is a lot of hustle that goes on. Um, and, you know, it may come to the point where I'm wallpapering RTP with resumes and taking that job that requires me to do the hour one-way commute every day because, you know, we'll have hit that point. I'm trying to avoid that like the devil right now. I mean, it's a rough place to be. I am... Yeah. And, you know, if you have to do a commute, like, one day a week or two days a week or whatever, we'll make do. But, yeah. uh, you know, I know there was, like, at least one that that might be in the cards. And we, we can make that We work. can make that happen, yeah. The, it's just the, when you have to spend two hours of your day in a car every day, that starts to suck your soul out. And your there's nose. a lot of, yeah, and it drives me insane because that's an hour where I can't be doing things. It feels like time wasted. Yeah. Um, and yes, I could be bettering myself with audiobooks. Everybody say, oh, well, I listen to audiobooks and podcasts. I can't do that. I, I, I need music because if I get into an audiobook or a podcast, I tend to focus more on that than the actual driving. And that's bad. That is bad, 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 bad. Uh, my, my thing, um, I very rarely listen to audiobooks because my audio processing is frankly shit. And, yeah. uh, Hell, half the time these days I don't even listen to music. For long trips, I will load up a podcast that is interesting enough to keep me going, but it, yeah. I, 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 meanwhile, I can't stand to be in a silent car. Even by myself, I want music. I want something. Um, when the two of us are driving around town in your truck with, and the radio's off and we're not really talking or something like that, I start to bug out. I really you, do. You can always turn the radio on, you know. The, yeah, the knob well, is right there. I'm, I'm respecting your choice as to having the radio on. But. Uh, usually, no, I turned the radio down because I was trying to listen to something and uh, or you were saying, and no, it's... it's Right, well, that's yeah. the problem, yeah. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Neither, neither here nor there. So... I wish we had more of a magic I, bullet for this, really this letter writer. Like, you know, like there was some big support group or something. Uh, but... Some all the ideas are often like so hokey. Oh God! Like and, when and I was single, my mom apply. kept telling me to take a cooking class, and to this day, I'm like, that is just no. Well, and then there's things like last time I was in this position. I mean, admittedly, it was eight years ago, but I'm in a 
required class at the Employment Securities Commission, and they're saying, you know, if if you don't get a response, go to the office and ask to see the hiring person. And I'm like, you do not do that in my business. We no, 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 no. You do not show up with your resume in hand to apply at a you know at an IT firm. That is a no no. That is a you get escorted from the building and not asked back kind of thing. That is not done in the 21st century. I sometimes wonder if some of the horror stories you hear about uh, writers hounding agents are they've taken advice about uh, they're thinking it's like a job application. They're taking that kind of advice. And there's there are are there are books on how to get an agent from you know. 30 years ago that people are still buying that still cover that sort of thing because Probably. 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have these electronic submissions or, or whatever it was. Yes. Yeah. Internet people. If you would like to tell us that we had ARPANET. Yes. Thank you. Hold your fire. Well, let me, <laughs> let me, yes. So let me back that up. Some people on the internet enjoy being right. <laughs> 40 years ago, sending your resume in online was not an option. All right. There we go. Yeah. So something that is an option. Yes. Is listening to a fabulous interview. It is. And which I believe you have lined up. I have a fabulous interview with uh, Lola Sona. And thank you, Almog, for writing in. And we will uh, go talk to her right after this. Hi, folks. I am here with Christy Howard, who has been very gracious and agreed to talk about how she stays productive with us this week. So, Christy, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is you do, since I forgot to ask that in all of the prep work we did? (laughs) (laughs) That is totally fine. Um, So I'm Christy Howard. I am a test and QA manager at a large technical company, which will remain unnamed because it is a large technical company. Um, I am a parent uh, to a wonderful 13-year-old daughter um, who may wander through at some point and interrupt me. It it happens. Um, Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm a spouse. Uh, I do live action role play, um, which is super fun and also needs lots of systems and organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the reasons that I went into wanting to talk to you was I am not a crafter. I'm not a maker. Oh, yeah. So hang on, hang on, hang on. You LARP, but you don't craft. I am a, my husband does. Oh, okay. Um, there we go. <laughs> and I am problem driven. So oh. I will make stuff. Um, you know, if necessary, I make swords and I make costumes and things. Although usually my husband does a lot of that. He is much more the maker, the crafter, that sort of thing. Um, I break things. Um, oh, yeah, you're in QA. Tester. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I look at things that 
are kind of working and figure out how to make them work better. Um, but I don't usually do a lot of ground up building. Gotcha. And that's um, one of the things that is sometimes hard to organize because a lot of what I do is not necessarily I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I need to accomplish X, Y, and Z. It's I wake up in the morning and it's what problem has fallen out of the sky today that I need to go deal with? Right. Um, and that right. is a different sort of productivity and a different sort of mm -hmm. organization than I want to make a dress. What do I need to do in order to get that in? Right. Um, right, 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 right. And that's, and that's fair because um, testing in QA is in some ways it's, it's there to be proactive towards the product and the end result. But it is, in fact, a very reactive situation because today might be the day the new build comes in. Tomorrow might be the day the new product comes in. And they're like, yeah, so uh, here's the new thing. And we need those results tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you are testing a thing and everything seems to be going smoothly. And all of a sudden, oh, no, everything is broken. We have to now go figure out why it's broken mm -hmm. and do a lot of diagnostics and understand it so that we can report it to our devs and be like, hey, guys, like, what'd y'all do? Um, and I, so that's one of the things that's interesting about my job. Yeah, no. And and uh, believe me, as someone who has had to respond to the, the <laughs> results of... Uh, you know, bug testing and, and uh, QA and things like that, having a clear understanding of what went wrong where and when is is very key. If it's, yeah, the thing's broke, that's that's almost useless. Yes. Right? Um, you know, detailed test steps on mm -hmm. how you recreate something is so important to devs mm -hmm. that, you know, they get very cranky when you don't say, this is why this is broken and this is how you fix it. Um yeah, so uh, I manage a team of about, um, with my co-manager, it's about 30 people. Um, so wow. we have a lot of folks. Um, yes. Um, and I am very fortunate that the place where I work is incredibly understanding of, and we'll talk about this uh, a little later, mm -hmm. I'm sure, of like how people work in different ways. Right. Um, so that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So that that leads me to a question that's completely off the map here, because we're going to talk about this. This is sort of in the introductory bit, but it's also part of the how do you keep yourself organized bit. And that is you've got a team of 30 people. Are they a dedicated team that does nothing but QA? Or are they embedded with different engineering groups and working closely with the engineers as part of their testing and QA? Um, so to get into the technical weeds, they are, <laughs> they are embedded testers on mm -hmm. agile scrum teams. Ooh. Uh, the team's about mm -hmm. eight people, okay. um, consisting of in an ideal setting, uh, one product owner, one scrum master, mm -hmm. four developers and two QA. Um, and so the teams, mm -hmm. I've lost count of how many teams we have at this point. There's lots. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the teams operate really independently mm -hmm. um, because how they get their work done, I don't care. Like it's, it's one of the weird parts of me being this kind of manager is like, I don't care what your day-to-day -day task is. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you're doing for your specific goal. What I care is your philosophy Mm -hmm. I care about how you are communicating with the rest of the test organization. Mm -hmm. And I care 
about, do you have any problems that I need to make go away? Right. So, so you, you probably spend a lot of time talking to the scrum masters when there's blocker or something like that, or, or something yes. is preventing your team from being able to work in how you can help the scrum master clear that. Yes. Yes. You know, do I need to go take it to a higher level and go yell at my boss and mm-hmm. be like, Hey boss, there's a big blocker happening and the scrum master simply just don't have the leverage. Um, right. You know, do I need to find another team that someone has to go talk to? Um, mm-hmm. Do I need to talk to some of my co-managers on the dev side and be like, Hey, my tester raised a problem. Mm-hmm. that's really a dev problem. It's not a, it's not a tester problem, right? but it's on the dev side. Can you go run this to ground and figure it out? Of course, as so far yes, as the, the devs of... are concerned, they're all tester problems. Right. They're right. all tester yeah. problems. <laughs> Although, to be fair to my devs, mm-hmm. um, at this point, they are very much in the mindset of everyone is responsible for quality. We all have good, to figure good. out how to it work mm-hmm. they are they are very well trained um good that's that's a hard seen, thing to get you know it is yeah but they've seen the advantage of what happens when they work together mm, excellent um, and once you show them that promise they land they're like oh yes i can do that yes yes, yeah. yes you can <laughs> wow all right um, and, and so. we'll probably go into the weeds after the bulk of the interview, where the the where we won't be boring people about it. Totally um, fine. I'm I'm yeah, all down for yeah. that. Um. So there's there's that. So okay. So through all of that, how do you keep yourself organized before you get to the team? Um. So let's talk in two spots. So okay. there's my home life, mm-hmm. and there's my work life. In work, um, whiteboards, 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 and Scrum Masters. Um, oh. I do a lot of brain dump onto the whiteboard, sort through it, figure it out. I'm a very kinetic person. Mm-hmm. And so the act of writing helps me think. Right. Um, right. And I can kind of do that with typing, but the whiteboard helps. I happen to be very fortunate. I have an office. It is all whiteboard paint. God, I um, love those. I really do. Yeah. Uh, and so I have lots of colored whiteboard pens and sometimes my coloring system makes sense. And sometimes it's just, I want to write in purple today. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I dump out a lot of like, what am I thinking about? What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. All of that goes onto the whiteboard. Um, and then it gets transferred either into meeting notices or it gets transferred into a uh you know, reminder sheet of when I need to do this or because scrum masters are the best thing on the planet, it gets dumped to one of my scrum masters and I'm like, please make this happen. And they go off and do the organizational thing, um, which is awesome. All right. Then I got, I I have two things to show you then since you like whiteboards so much. The first is easy to find. All right. This tube right here and the people at home can't see it. This is the uh, uh, animate whiteboard sticker. This is a 17 by 78 inch piece of whiteboard PVC with sticky on the back of it. That's the best. And you can, you can, it even has on the back of it, uh, I don't know if I can, I can get it out, but it has, it has a grid on it so that you can cut it to size. Oh, nice. I'm about to, to take a chunk of it and put it on one of the kitchen cabinets. Awesome. So I can write That's the nice menus. Board. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a great place. That's great. The other thing, though, it should be right here. It better be right here. This is where I put it. <laughs> okay, it's not where I put it. Uh, I have a... Ah, no, wait. Dang it. Um, I have a, a collapsible whiteboard. Ooh. It's, it's squares... Or, or rectangles that are about a little bigger than than index card size, but they're all like linked together so that it folds down into like something slightly larger than a pack of tarot cards, but it unfolds into uh huh yeah exactly. Oh, that uh, sounds amazing. So it comes out immediately as a grid, and at the last uh, the last event I I staffed at uh, Mag Labs, I was using it to keep track of incidents by day. So that I had the columns were like, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, a harassment complaint or drunk or whatever. Um, and then the rows were, were days. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was just adding tick marks in the appropriate column on the appropriate day so that we could just look at it and go, okay, so this is what happened this event. Right. I need that. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. I'll find the link for you. I'll find the link for Perfect. you. Yeah. Um, and so that's work. Mm -hmm. uh, home is slightly different um, because I'm organizing different things. Um, I live in the Google ecosystem. Um, so everything goes on Google Calendar. Right. Um, which is, if it doesn't go on Google Calendar, it doesn't exist. We have shared calendars among everyone on the family. Nice. Um, my daughter is getting to the point where she's real. She's putting it on and making sure that like the party that she's going to for Halloween is, is on the calendar. So mm -hmm. we know about it. Um, I have an Android phone, and the number of times I say, okay, Google, remind me um, right. per day mm -hmm. is, like, constant. Because... Is it going off right now? No, it went off at 3.45. No, I meant, I mean, so is it me listening know. right now? Did you remember to... No, no, I very <laughs> carefully tucked my phone away for this one. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so getting those reminders... Um, I have never been formally diagnosed with any sort of attention deficit disorder, but my patterns very clearly indicate that, yeah, I probably do. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do it right then when I'm thinking about it, it will go away. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. And so having that ability to say, okay, I am thinking about the fact that I need to go buy detergent. Mm -hmm. I will put it into my phone and the next time I am home, I can transfer it to the grocery list or whatever um, is just, it's a godsend. And I don't actually know how I managed without them beforehand. So here's the, here's um, the, here's the best part uh, at the Hugo's this year. Google was a sponsor. Oh, nice. Every single one of the goodie bags had one of these in it. And what I'm holding oh. up is the Google home puck. Nice. And I'm not using it as much as I'm using my Amazon Echo devices. But since it integrates directly with my phone a lot better, um, I'm going to have to start. Now I'm going to have to start trying it because it's yeah. really handy to have on my desk and just be able to, you know, use it the same way with, with my voice, the same way I would my phone. That way, if my phone's not in the room or, you know, I'm on a call for something else, I can trigger that. Yes. Right. Um, and then the other thing I do mm -hmm. is I do a lot of Google chat notes to myself. Oh, so nice. I have, yeah. a, I have a Google chat that is locked just to me. Um, it's just always there. And so when I need to do something 
or I need to remind myself of something that is too mm-hmm. complicated for just to remind me when, mm-hmm. um, I type it up in there. And so I have a back history of all of those things right, right at my fingertips. And it's on my computer. It's on my phone. It's on any computer that I go to. Um, you know, there are times because I work for a large tech company that specializes somewhat in security where this horrifies me mm-hmm. because everything lives in the cloud. And if Google ever gets breached by something, whatever, you're going to know everything you could possibly know about me, but it's so handy. I, I um, um, actually started using, and it's a pay for service, uh, but I, I paid for like the year's worth. There's a, a couple services out there where you can sync your clouds between each other. So I always have a backup, right, of of things like the chats, of things like my documents, because I'd hate to lose them. Um, And backups are so very important. Uh, They've saved my cloud-based backups, at least, or or some sort of synchronization service have saved my butt so many times. Yes. Right. Um, I was an early adopter of the interwebs. Um, Oh, yeah. Joined the internet back when it was Prodigy um, and Um, not actually the internet. So I have lived in tech space and found it to be helpful to my organizational system right. for a very long time. Yep. And you know, it's gotten more and more sophisticated as the products have gotten more and more sophisticated. But you know, right. I made myself an HTML calendar. Um, you know, I've used all sorts of Linux-based programs to like, please just keep this organized. You know, dump everything to a text file. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's gotten easier and easier as things have gone on, but it's still very tech-based. I oh, don't yeah. do paper. Um, you know, I have a fidget cube, which I, I mentioned prior, I think, before we were formally recording. But if you give me paper, I shred it. Oh, you um, and Ursula. You and Ursula both. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like anything that is handed to me as a paper document goes immediately to my husband um, because I cannot keep it. And like, I will try. I'll be like, no, this is important. This is an important document, mm-hmm. and I can maybe make thirty minutes. Um, so, paper planners and such things is just—it's not practical for me. See, and um, and for these interviews, I'm writing. I'm physically writing notes because if if I'm sitting here typing notes, you guys hear it, right? Bang to bang right. to bang to bang, and I can't. I can't do that. That would drive me crazy listening to it, right? <laughs> um, but I uh, so I have all of my paper notes um, and a a hard copy i keep a hard copy of my calendar in in the the same notebook so that's like my last resort backup yeah if i if everything goes sideways and i still need to know how to get to that i have a dentist appointment i have it on a calendar in in paper form as a backup if my phone dies and i lose my google access to my google account i'm not completely helpless um, if I lose access to my Google account, I'm just going to take the year off, and that'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Not a problem. Sorry, you're um, not going to school today. Uh, Mom's <laughs> taking the rest of the year off. And by, fun. Yeah. Um, Dad might be able to manage it, but Mom's <laughs> not going to. Um, so there's that, and then just getting everything out of my head, like I mentioned. Right. The reminders and everything get it out of my head, get it into some place where it's going to automatically trigger a reminder when I need to, mm-hmm. um, some place where I'm going to see it when I need to go do it. If it's on the sh- grocery shopping list, do that. I have, you know, um, shopping list, I think is the one that I use and it's actually been very helpful. So like 
I need to buy detergent. I put it in shopping list. I move on with my life. I can't get um, Ursula to use any of the apps. It drives me insane. I love them. I, like, I, they're, they're just awesome. Again, I end up writing it all down on, on a piece of paper out of the planner and hand that <laughs> to her. And when she destroys it afterwards, who cares? Right. Right. Um, and then, you know, Google Chats. Like, I'm at the grocery store. I chat to my husband. Hey, what do we need? What do we need to have? Just that c- circular communication of... You know, what is it that needs to happen because I'm at this specific location? Right. That helps. So. Yes. No, no, no. And I, I also I also have a um, a Google Keep document that I share between me and my, my son. And that way he can put things on the list without me having to be like banging on the door. Hey, I'm ready to go. What do you need from the grocery what store? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My daughter also lives in the Google ecosphere. So like I can usually get mm-hmm. to her and be like, hey, do you need something? Mm-hmm. She'll, she's, you know. Yeah. So, we are a family full of geeks. <laughs> yes. Um, and and even even though Ursula won't admit it, she's a bit of a geek too. So it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, uh, we talked a, a little bit about systems and all of this. So, is there anything else um, in how you keep yourself organized before we go into what systems and habits are valuable to you? I don't think so. I think, you know, what systems and habits are valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mantra that I try to live by is prep it ahead. Okay. Um, so mm-hmm. I have a system, for example, for LARPing. Um, I'm looking at it right now. We got back. We ha- I have a bin full mm-hmm. of all my props. Um, okay. It contains, you know, all my belts and my pouches and all of the things that I use for decoration at the cabin and all of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I check it when we get home. I make sure right. that it is all good, that anything that needs to be cleaned is getting cleaned. Anything that needs to be replaced is replaced. And then I pack it away and I forget about it until I'm on site because it's already done. Yeah. Um, you know, I do... <laughs> A lot of the cooking, mm-hmm. um, because that's just the way that our chore uh, distribution wound up. Um, and I do a lot of prep work on Sundays. So, like, there is collards that are chopped, and there's meat that's marinating, and there's asparagus that's been cleaned and prepped and ready mm-hmm. to go, so that when I get home tomorrow, after taking my daughter to her Taekwondo class and all of that sort of thing, taking care of dinner is as minimal amount of time and effort as possible. Right. Um, right. So doing all the work that I need to do ahead of time when I have the time to minimize the impact of that final, you know, 15 minutes of, Oh God, I have to do it now. Right. Um, Right. Right. Doing things when I have to have the time to focus. And then the other thing that is incredibly valuable, um, and this actually comes sort of into the best advice area, mm-hmm. is figuring out the thing that works for you. Oh, God, yeah. And doing that. Um, like, I have a lot of weird systems that aren't really worth going off on in this particular context because they're very individualized. But they are... Things that I have found that work for me because of the way that I do my life. Um, like, it's just how it works best for me. Uh, for example, a really weird one. I keep many pairs of shoes in my car 
because okay. I don't like shoes. I like to be barefoot. Um, I'm barefoot right now. And I have had several times where I have gotten to work and not had shoes. Okay, because yeah. Because I, I don't function well in the morning. <laughs> I, everything is on autopilot. And eventually I learned that for me, I keep a pair of brown and a pair of black shoes appropriate to the general climate weather in my car. And if I'm fully alert that morning and I get fully dressed and I pick a pair of shoes out and I go, cool. And if I don't, I have a pair of shoes that will work with the outfit that I've got and it's fine. And, and see, I'm, I'm, I'm almost the exact opposite on that is that, um, well, all right, th this may be the difference in, in also the parenting experience. I had two boys. Right. right. And so in the middle of the night, I have stepped on uh, multiple times um, Thomas the Tank Engines. <laughs> yes. Legos. Legos, Legos yeah. are evil. Legos are, are terrible. Um, and Matchbox cars. Mm, right? Yes, those are fun. And so I don't know how to function if I'm not wearing shoes. If I'm not wearing, like, the first thing I do when I get up in the morning and I get out of bed is I slide my feet into a pair of slippers because there may be a Lego between here and the bathroom. Now, my <laughs> kids haven't weird. used Legos in, like, 10 years. Sure. Or more. But at this point, it's just like, I'm not going to take that chance. I it's uh, I don't know why, but now suddenly walking around the house barefoot, it, it feels like living dangerously. Yeah, so last week uh, I was taking my daughter to school and we got to school and I said, all right, it's time to put your shoes on. And she went, ah! and I said, you left your shoes at home, didn't you? And she said, yes. Mm -hmm. And she's very fortunate because we wear the exact same size. There you go. Yeah. So I handed her a pair of shoes and she went off to school. <laughs> <laughs> it's just do the things that work for you without yep. worrying about how weird that is. Because it's not weird. It's a functional system that supports the way yeah. you work. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and not just the way you work, but the way you, you manage your household, the way you, yes. you know, do whatever it is you do. Yes. Um, so. so as long as we're here, we'll mix things up a little bit. As long as we're talking about that sort of thing, and that falls into the best advice or feedback. Is there any other thing that falls into the best advice or feedback category? And then we'll loop back to the question we're skipping at the moment. Um, so I've got a couple. Okay. Um, there, there's one of them is very similar to that, and that's mm -hmm. play to your strengths. And this is a big thing that my work pushes. Um, so you know, work is very because I'm a manager, I get access to like all of the leadership messages and all of those fun things. Oh God, yeah. Like, this is how we want the culture to be, and like I'm kind of scared of these, but also like they're not bad mm -hmm. and that makes me even more scared because i'm like there's there's got to be a trick somewhere but so far it's they a very cult sincere. That's... <laughs> it is it's yeah, totally a cult really... but what they're pushing is play to your strengths mm -hmm. don't try to build up your weaknesses and spend your time on that area figure out how in your team you have other people to compensate for those weaknesses oh yeah yeah so that you can go off and do the things that you're good at. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really hard sometimes for those of us who think they should be good at everything. Yeah. Um, or think that, you know, if I can't do it, then there's something wrong. But 
having <laughs> that freedom from having that permission from work to say, we don't care about you making the bad stuff better. Mm-hmm. Find someone who is good at the stuff you're bad at and let them do that. And you go do the stuff you're good at is very useful. Oh, yeah. Um, Almost freeing, I would expect. It is. It yeah. really is. And then the other thing, this was very recent. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend of mine um, and we're we're doing a yoga class and I was trying a new pose and it was just, it was awful. It was so bad. And she was like, it's okay. Wobbling is how you find the good bits. And okay. so like, you know, you can't figure out what you need to strengthen or what you need to work on or what you need to pass off to somebody else if you don't let yourself go far enough to be a little shaky. Um, if you stay in your comfort zone, you're never going to say, hey, I can do this or, wow, I can't do this at all. Somebody else needs to come in and do this for me. Right. Um, right. So all of those things, um, that that works really well together. Um, and then the advice that my husband has been patiently hammering into my head for <laughs> 20-ish years now Um <laughs> Is always leave room and time for cleanup because oh, yeah. I'm really bad about I have a thing to do and I'm going to do it and then I don't allocate time for and I just made a hideous mess and I need to go clean it up. You know, I right. just cooked bread. I baked mm-hmm. bread and flour is all over the kitchen and oh crap, I have to be somewhere in 30 minutes. Put in the time for the cleanup. Yep. I I learned at least when cooking, clean as you go. I'm yes. a clean as you go person. Um, but not everybody's like that. And uh, also, I've, I'm sure we've discussed it in the past on the show. Um, for whatever reason, I have this, and we think it's genetic at this point because I compared with my sister and my cousin, um, and we all do this. We can't cook unless we've cleaned first. So if there's dirty dishes in the sink, that that has to be dealt with before we can actually cook. Otherwise, we can start cooking, but then we have to do the dishes because it will drive us crazy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, I I grew up in a single uh, single parent household. Okay. Um, my mother worked uh, a lot of crazy hours. And when you are in that situation, house cleaning is one of the first things to go. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And like totally reasonable, makes perfect sense. You allocate the time you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it means that I have somewhat of a blind spot for dishes occasionally. Again, that my mm-hmm. husband has patiently been beating out of me, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, for 20 years. And I'm yeah. deeply appreciative of this. And, um, and in fairness, I was... Like, a- you know, yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, I was a latchkey kid. Um okay. and so so was my sister and uh, both mom and dad worked. And when I learned how to cook, mom was like this is the greatest thing in the world. She doesn't like cooking anyway. <laughs> and I would run into the problem of I need the sink and it's full of dishes. And right. that might be part of why it hammered in is I need to do something in the sink and there's no space to do it in the sink. Why is that a problem? You know, why is that happening? So a lot of it grew organically, but apparently it also grew subconsciously in all of us. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know. Um, 
I mean, but, I will say yeah. that I see the advantages of it. And like mm-hmm. the reason my spouse has been able to make the successful changes that he has been very <laughs> patiently trying to get me to do is like, I'm like, yes, when the kitchen is clean and I do cooking and I clean as I go, it does work better. Right. I get that. Um, it just habits and time yeah. and, you know, it, it takes, it takes a while to, 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 to do that. Yeah. I mean, what is it? Um, I think it was, uh, um, Franklin Covey did the study where it takes 21 days con- of consistent repetition to build a habit. Yes. And it takes three days to lose it. And particularly when you're talking about habits and patterns of thoughts that was laid down when you were a kid, mm-hmm. it takes much longer as an adult. Like, I can see them. I know where they come from. I've been to enough therapy sessions that I really do know <laughs> where they come from. Um, that doesn't mean that changing it overnight is always possible, no. even if I want to. Um, and it's really easy to backslide. Um, yeah. And so... Having that rule in my head of, hey, if you leave room for cleanup, then even if you don't manage to clean while you go or what, mm-hmm. even if you make a terrible mess, you can clean it up at the end. And You're good. Yeah. Yeah. So, which makes my house much better and much mm-hmm. nicer to live in. So. Yes. All <laughs> right. Um, anything else for best advice or feedback? Um, Let's see. I think that's pretty much it. Prep ahead, those, figure those out the thing that ones. works. Yeah. Play your strengths. Yep. These are great. I'm loving some of these. Um, all right. So how do, in a given day, how do you decide what to do first? Because that's um, a really hard thing for a lot of people. So for work, it's really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, either I have a meeting, um, mm-hmm. which is almost always true because I try to schedule a lot of one-on-ones um, and mm-hmm. sort of day-setting meetings at the beginning. Right. Um, so it's already there and it's already planned. I'm not a morning person. Um, I don't really hit high gear until about 10 or 10.30. Um, so if I have things that I've already laid out ahead of time, it's like, mm-hmm. you're going to do this, you're going to do that. By the time I get to that high productivity, high functioning time, Either something has presented itself as like, this is the crisis of the day that we need to go deal with, or I have gotten my brain in gear and it's presenting me with things that I know that I need to do. Um, So typically for work, it's going to be, it's already laid out. I already know what it is, um, or there's a crisis and I have to go deal with it. So that part is actually pretty easy Um, for the, housework and the projects and the things that I do um, outside of work, because that's Mm -hmm. actually more challenging. What my husband and I have finally come to basically decide how to do that is whatever's the most urgent Mm -hmm. or whatever problem is driving me crazy or whatever problem or whatever project is the most fun right then. Um, in that order. So like right now um, we're sort of at a lull because I painted the deck this weekend. Oh and the reason that we painted the deck this weekend mm-hmm. is because a, it wasn't a super busy weekend, um, which I say kind of aware of the irony of that. Cause I did a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but I had the time, I had the space and it wasn't raining. So and that's that's that key, it, yeah. <laughs> yes. So like 
the fact that I had the time and the space and it wasn't raining meant that it was really urgent that the deck get painted right then mm -hmm. because the next time I had free time, one of those factors may not be there. You right. know, it might be raining next weekend or whatever. So that was a fairly easy decision. Um, we dealt with a project in the basement that needed to be done because my daughter was having a birthday party and it was like, all right, well, it's now time to tackle this particular project. Right. You know, it's been on the list. It's been on the backlog. Mm -hmm. Now if someone's actually going to use the basement. We should get it done. Probably do something so about that, that. Yeah. 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 We should probably do something about that. And like the time is coming and let's, let's go ahead, do that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, after today we got, I got the deck dealt with and then we looked around and we're like, the house is a mess and we have to fix it. Um, yeah. And it was causing both of us stress, um, <laughs> my daughter stress. And we're like, okay, we're done. And so that is how we picked, let's go clean the house. Mm -hmm. um, right. So usually it's, there is some urgent thing coming up that I really need to do or the state of things is such that I really need to go deal with it. Um, right. I expect the garage is going to drift up soon. It's been artificially depressed because it's been so hot. Yeah. So hot. Uh, that's, um, and that's... no one wants to clean the garage when it's hot. I, I will honestly say, you know, one of the things Ursula would like me to get do, done in this particular spate of unemployment, if possible, is get the garage cleaned out. And... You know, I've done all the research on how much the the dumpster will cost to bring to the house and have it hauled away and all of that. And I've been a little reluctant to do it because, yeah, it's so flipping hot out there. It was like it's, 90 fucking degrees the other day. Yeah, like, no. It's I'll, October. What the hell? Not, yeah. I know. <laughs> so I'm not, we're not going to clean out the garage until it's yeah. at least reasonable temperature, but... It is causing a stress. It is a thing that needs to be done. I yeah. suspect that it is climbing rapidly in the priority list. Well, it is. It is sort of top of the priority list uh, after we get through. I, I, you know, it's the same reason she's not putting plants in the ground right now or buying new plants because it's just too damn hot. Yes, you know, and have... we have post storm mosquitoes. Like whoa. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I'll do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have bulbs that have arrived. They're like, you should plant them in the fall. I'm like, it doesn't feel like fall yet. I'm not planting my bulbs yet. Sorry. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it when it's actually fall. Right. Yes, when it actually, like, I feel okay in a sweater, at least in the morning hours. We'll yeah. go with that. We had, we had a week of that, and then it stopped, and it's just been terrible. Um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, let's see. So that's five out of seven. Do you want the, what I've come to understand is the easy, but not happy question first? Or do you want the hard, but happy question first? Let's leave the happy question for the last one, even recognizing that it is the hard one. Yes. Okay. So how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? Um, so for me, I am incredibly fortunate that mm -hmm. failure is not particularly fatal. Um, like I had this conversation with my mother who is a nurse and right. she's like, I can't fail. Mm -hmm. If I fail, people die. Right. I'm like, I understand that is applicable to your job. Mm -hmm. It may not necessarily be applicable to the rest of your life, but I do see how that happens. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am very fortunate. I'm very privileged. My husband and I both have good jobs. Um, my job is very understanding in terms of, hey, you know, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. Um, and I still have a horrible, deep-seated fear of failure. Um, right buried down there and i have been working very hard over the past really five years to get better Mm -hmm. at that um and to sort of embrace that failure so one of the things that i try to do because my job is test and quality is Mm -hmm. figure out why it failed like what went wrong what happened take it apart take it apart why did it Mm -hmm. break um you know there is a reason for failure. And I'm also trying to recast failure from this failed to this prototype didn't work or this experiment (laughs) was not a success or, you know, whatever. So like Mm -hmm. I made my daughter a cake for her birthday. And before I did that, I did a number of test runs. (laughs) <laughs> of like, how oh. does this work? And one of them did not work. And I was like, well, I have learned a thing today. And yeah. the thing I learned was this is not right. <laughs> um, oh, darn. And that, the, the nice thing about like experimenting like that with, with baking or icing or any sort of cooking is uh, even if unless it's really, really bad, right. you eat your mistakes and yes. uh, oh, well. Like, it didn't decorate the way that I thought it would decorate, but that doesn't mean that buttercream frosting is not a good thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Buttercream frosting is one bad. of my weaknesses. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. um, you know, for big failures, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the time where I get fired because that just didn't work, um, I go into a little hole and I don't come out for three days. Um, and I'm trying to get better mm-hmm. at that. I'm also trying to have fewer really big failures because yeah. if you experiment first, then you control that level of failure. Um, and so that's one of the ways that I try and deal with it is mitigate it. Do something to make it smaller than it's going to be if you just leapt into the big thing. Right. Um, and then, you know, deep breaths and meditation, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. You know, reminding myself that it's not fatal. It's really not. You know, I still have a house. I still have a family who loves me. Um, the world will move on and I will move on with it. All that yep. sort of helps. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, as, as you know, I I recently lost my job, and I understand exactly. I mean, you know, I it, at first there was the, the gut punch, oh, crap, you've just lost your job. And then there was the, all right, let's figure out, based on the discussion I had with my, with my CTO as our exit interview, and, you know, reviewing the last couple months to figure out exactly where, because it was, it was, it was very much of, of, we, I wasn't a good fit for the culture they were trying to build. Okay. You know, I mean, there were maybe 15 of us. Right. And so that, that, that means culture is a big deal. Yeah. And if they're, if they're trying to make a, a tectonic shift in how they're dealing with things and I'm not contributing in the way they, they want to move then. Yeah. I, so, I mean, you know, so that, 
at least help because it wasn't a personal thing. It was very much a business decision. Um, right. You know, and so uh, I had to repeat that to myself for like a couple days, not going <laughs> to lie. But, sure. um, you know, it certainly made it easier than like the one where they're like, nah, we, we just we just decided we don't like you anymore. And so we're firing you uh, because no matter how hard you try, we're just going to fire you anyway. That was a long time ago and that was possibly one of the worst ones because that was the one where they where the company literally was like tore down my self esteem to say yeah we just don't want you here anymore and there's nothing you can do to change that yeah i had one yeah. of those um which was you know all of my one on ones were fine mm -hmm. everything was okay you know everything's good you know meeting regularly with my manager how am i doing well you know you can work on this a little bit but you know everything's fine you're mm -hmm. fired and i was like wait what yeah and it has informed my life as a manager um like i have told all of my team i'm like I will never blindside you. I right. will always be certain that, you know, if something's not right, I will let you know well before we are mm -hmm. in any sort of even like pre-firing mode. Like, I, I'm not ever going to do that. Yeah. Well, one of the best managers I've had to date, um, who I had on uh, about this time. Okay. About this time being uh, fall, because I think this like, early early october because i think this probably won't be live until november um sure. but uh was was uh, uh eugene Jacoby, uh who i interviewed i want to say september 2017 i remember the interview yeah. yeah 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 uh he was one of the best managers i had and he was very clear on if there's a problem you will know way before it, it becomes an issue and give he would give you all of that opportunity to try to to you know correct or, or change course or whatever it was unless you didn't want to and you were ready to move leave. on yeah move yeah. on and, and um i've had people mm -hmm. in my team where like i've been like this is not working mm -hmm. but the job that you are doing is not the job that we need done right and that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a you are incapable of doing the job that needs to be mm -hmm. done but the job that you are doing right now is not what we need and right. i need you to align that and make it work mm -hmm. and the person did and like that right. was a super happy ending and like they are now a super successful person on my team. But you have to have that conversation right. of this doesn't work for what I need. And I think that goes back to failure somewhat. You mm -hmm. know, failure is a thing that did not work for the need that you were trying for. Right. Figure out in that failure, was mm -hmm. it something you did? Did you misdefine your terms? Because, mm -hmm. like, I have failed at things and been like, oh, well, the reason this failed is because I had no idea what I actually really wanted. Like, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm familiar <laughs> with that one. Yeah. 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 We, we refer to that as the bring me a rock problem. Not that rock, a different rock. Yeah. Oh, no, not that mm -hmm. rock, a different rock. You're like, yeah. there's so many rocks out there. Can you Which clarify? You yeah. yeah. Clarify <laughs> the rock. Do you want a pretty rock? Do you want a heavy rock? Do you want a boulder? Mm -hmm. um, and and pretty is relative, so can we be specific on what you believe makes a rock pretty? And this yes. is all QA. Yes, yes, <laughs> it is all QA. And it's all, 
tell me what happens when this breaks. Mm-hmm. Does it break well? And, and, you know, when this system fails, because I try to make things fail. Like, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. also a fun thing. It's like I actively want things in my job life mm-hmm. to fail because that's where I have pointed out a problem. Right. And that means we can then go fix that problem. And as a manager, it's slightly different because I'm looking at systems that fail as opposed to Mm -hmm. code that fails. But it's still, when something fails, cool. I have found a problem that can now be fixed so it never does that again. Yeah, I was was talking to a release manager Mm -hmm. uh, last night. For those of you at home, you heard it last week. Um, for you on the other <laughs> end, for for yeah, for for you, Christy, you don't get to hear it for like a month and a half. Um, That's fine. But uh, um, but one of the things he we talked a lot about was how uh, one you have to let people fail because that's the only way they learn, and that and and that oftentimes it's not a person at least in in a professional capacity oftentimes it's not a person failure it's a system failure in that the system either didn't set them up to succeed or the system um or the the company didn't make the make it clear what they needed the person to be doing uh but even then you still have to sometimes let them fail because it's the only way they're going to learn As, and especially when you're like dealing with QA when the idea is we are here to break things because mm-hmm. if we break it, then you have the opportunity to fix it. And Before the customer breaks it. And I promise right. you, they're going to be much more annoyed than we are. Oh yeah. Or, or and annoying. Yes. Yeah. You know. Um, speaking as a parent, mm-hmm. one of the things that I have tried to do is model to my child how to fail. Yes. Um, because I'm actually much better at doing the right thing when I'm doing it for my kid than I am for myself. <laughs> I can get 20 flu shots all the time if my child is with me to be like, I am getting a flu shot and I am a grown-up adult and this does not bother me at all. But if I'm walking into there, into the office by myself, I am freaking out because I don't like shots. Um but you know, so I got over modeling, it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, but modeling it for my daughter is very important to me. And so, like, one of the things that I remember is like oh, that I consider a really terrible failure as a mm. parent. Um, this was like six or seven years ago. We were attempting to study math, and you know, she's like six years old, and math at this right. point is like well, one plus one equals two. It's really basic. Right. But I am not a teacher. I'm not. No. It's not who I am. Um, and so, like, we were working on it, and she wasn't getting it. And I was failing to communicate it correctly. And I was getting frustrated. I'm like, okay, I need to stop. I need to go away. Mm-hmm. Mom is frustrated. Let's quit. And she was like, no, 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 no. I really, I'm close. I want to get it. I'm like, okay. And so we yep. did this several times. And I eventually just lost my shit. Um, (laughs) Right? Totally just lost it. And there was yelling and screaming. And I stalked into my room and I slammed the door shut. And I was like, I'm behaving like a five-year-old, but I don't care because I've lost my shit. Uh And, and like, took some deep breaths. And then I went and I apologized. And Uh I was like, that was wrong. I should not have done that. It would be helpful if, like, when I say it's time to stop, you listen to me. 
right? But I'm still the grown up. Mm-hmm. I it's on me. But like accepting that, yeah, I did that because I'm human. Mm-hmm. Um, like, <laughs> we're all human. Um, apologizing for it, modeling it, and being like, this is how to deal with when things go catastrophically wrong. And like, okay, not catastrophically wrong, right, but right. things go wrong. Oh yeah, all the time. How do you do it. Yeah, and you're like, I'm sorry, I fucked that up. How do we fix it? How do we make it better? All right, in this case, we fix it by waiting until your dad gets home because he's much better at it than I am. (laughs) Um, And we're going to go read a book. Awesome and fine. But, you know, that modeling of how to fail is, I think, one of the important parts of being a parent to me and being like, this is, you're going to screw up, kid. And it's okay, and the world will not end, and your life will not end, and we'll figure it out. Um, so that's that's failure. We've done the easy slash sad one. Let's try the difficult but fun one. How do you su- celebrate your success if you do, and if so, how? Fucked if I know. <laughs> um, I am so bad at this. Aren't we all? I mean... And actually, while I was considering this question, because Mm -hmm. I did try and consider these questions beforehand, I realized why, and it's because I assume success is the default. Okay. And when something is the default, you don't need to celebrate it. Um, I don't know if this will lead to a change in my behavior, but that, Mm -hmm. that is why I don't celebrate. Right. Right. So recognizing those occasions when it's important to celebrate your success. And mm-hmm. again, I'm not a creator. I break things. Um, and admittedly, I do sometimes do the happy dance in my chair when one of my testers comes up with a really cool way to break something. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, I don't, so like, I'm not going to celebrate or I'm not going to have ever an occasion to celebrate like, finishing a particularly complicated project Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, A lot of my successes are small in degree, but large in magnitude. So, you know, celebrating the fact that all of my testers got together and actually talked to one another for once. (laughs) Oh my God, why can't we not communicate? Uh, Yeah. Um, It's hard to recognize that as a success Mm -hmm. um, because it happens and you're like, yeah, cool. This is what's supposed to happen. But I actually have worked really hard to get that to come to fruition. Right. Uh, right. And so when I'm seeing that as the default of like, well, I'm working towards this thing. And of course that's the thing that I'm working towards when it happens, it happens and I move on to the next thing. I don't actually realize that I have succeeded there and I should take the time to be like, yeah, Hey, I did a cool thing. Go me. Yep. Um, and, and you know, I, I think that's that's interesting. We actually had a culture shift, and it was a, a forced upon us culture shift at um, a prior job, and that was the uh, exec VP of engineering was like, "We're not going to do release parties anymore." Okay. We are going to have we we want we're trying to move to a more agile and rapid release cycle and so we will have an annual 
celebration of everything we got done in the last year, but we want we want these releases to be happening much more frequently. And so having to stop, having a, a break point to stop and say, hey, we got it out the door. No, getting it out the door on the regular is the default, and that's where we want to be. That's actually, that would be lovely. Um, yeah. I work on a very old, cranky legacy product, and we are moving ever so slowly to more continuous delivery right. and rapid release cycles, but man, it's like shoving on a boulder. And it's, it's, um, and it's not an easy transition to make. It really it's isn't. Not. Yeah. But, um, but then it's, it's, it, when you get there again, it doesn't feel like that's a victory that should be celebrated when you, when you get there. Cause right. you're just pushing along to, Oh, Hey, now look, we're actually doing it right. And you know, do, do you stop and, and make recognition of the fact that, oh, hey, we're finally doing what we said we were going to do? Or is it so ingrained that this is just how it works now that it, it doesn't feel like a victory anymore? Right. And, you know, things like projects around the house, they're just, they're things that have to happen. And, and you know, when we get the deck completely repainted and done, that is a success. And I should be like, woohoo, we did this thing. And I'm instead... I suspect that what will happen, I'll be like, oh, thank God that's done. Now I have to go do something else. Um, and I yeah. should pause and be like, no, we, we did a big project and it's we finished it and go us. And even just a you know celebratory high five with my family right. would at least mark it as a thing to be marked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um. Um, and yeah, I, I so I keep a stash of the ultra dark chocolate around mm. because you know, one piece of, of ultra dark chocolate has about the same amount of sugar as I don't know, walking by and sniffing a Krispy Kreme donut. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Krispy Kremes I say for very special occasions. Um, <laughs> there, there is nothing like a hot Krispy Kreme donut. But uh, yes, you are, is. you are preaching to the choir. I knew that before the rest <laughs> of the country. Because I grew up in Raleigh, where there were only where there when there were only two Krispy Kremes in the world: the original in Winston Salem and the other one in Raleigh. So, oh wow! Yeah, no. So when that hot donut now sign was on, it really meant something because it wasn't like there are hot donuts now all over the world. No, two places oh. where you could get them, right? Yeah. So, so I have a long-standing argument with one of my good friends who is he is a jelly-filled donut fan. Ah, yes. And he is marginally correct that Dunkin' Donuts jelly-filled may be slightly better than Krispy Kremes, but I'm like, but Krispy Kremes glazed donuts is the best donut ever. And he's like, but it doesn't have jelly in it. See, and in, in high school, we they actually brought in like two packs of jelly donuts to my school. And this explains a lot about why I have diabetes now. <laughs> um, but I think for the majority of my high school career, my lunch was a fruit punch and a package of Krispy Kreme jelly donuts. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a wonder that it did it. It only took until I was almost 40 to get type 2 diabetes, right? Um <laughs> Wow, that's yeah. a lot, yes. Um, yeah. But hey, when I was okay. 15, I needed all the calories I could get, apparently. It's true. Yeah. Lots of growing to do. Mm -hmm. 
Lots of movement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Teenagers need so many calories. It's amazing. I believe it is that a teenage boy needs something like 8,000 calories a day not to die. I-, I watched one of my daughter's friends. Like, he went from, not like, not fat, but like, he was clearly chunky. Yeah. And then, like, overnight you blinked and he'd shot up three inches and was skeletal. And I was like, oh, dear God. Yeah. Eat more. <laughs> and like. That's just how growth cycles work. But I was just like, oh, my God, you just like that must have hurt. Yeah, no. Um, what was it? I saw a woman in the grocery store and she was buying five gallons of milk. And I'm like, that that's an awful lot of milk. She's like, I have five teenage boys. Oh, my God. I'll be back day after tomorrow for five more. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, monkeys. That's a lot. Yeah. I think they were also football players. And that oh, doesn't... Yeah. yeah. So, my daughter is a black belt in Taekwondo. And Go her. You, you yeah. celebrated that, right? Oh, oh yeah. We yeah. totally celebrated that one. Yeah. Um, and that was actually a fun one for failure mm-hmm. because, you know, she, the first time she tried it, she didn't make it. Right. Um, which was appropriate. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we did have a conversation about, you know, you weren't ready. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you tried and mm-hmm. that was cool. But now you know what you need to work on for the next time. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah, we, we totally celebrated that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was awesome. But, you know, she goes to martial arts classes three times a week and they're an hour and 15 minutes of, you know, wrestling or bouncing or mm-hmm. something like that. And that's a lot of calories burned. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm yeah. guessing at this point she's teaching, too. Yes, she is mm-hmm. teaching. Yeah. Um, which, which is fascinating um, because, you know, she's she's young. She's mm-hmm. 13. Um, but the amount of control that she has over a classroom has been really fun to watch mm-hmm. as like she's developing her style and figuring out how she's working with people and mm-hmm. how each person responds differently to different instructional methods. Um, yep. that's been fun to watch. You have a born leader then. Maybe. We'll Maybe. See. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. She also has, you know, incredible social anxiety. So, like, <laughs> one of the best things that her teacher did mm-hmm. um, for her black belt test, which I think is actually worthwhile in talking about productivity, mm-hmm. um, since we're way off on tangents. Oh, yeah. But- um, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Um, so, everyone has to write an essay for their, for each test. Um, and it's, you know, what does this belt mean to me? What is that? What, you know, all that interesting. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you like, you have to think about it and you know, it's basically a meditation on a particular discipline mm-hmm. of the martial art and mm-hmm. why this belt is important. And so for the black belt, she had to write an essay mm-hmm. um, and he's like, all right, you have to now read it out loud to the class. And she was like, Oh no. No 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 no. Her like, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you do." And so she did. Um, right. Clearly, very nervous. Um, mm-hmm. But she read it. Mm-hmm. Um, she did it. She got her black belt. And he was like, "I have to make you do something hard because right. if I don't like, he's like, you know the kicks, you know the forms, you know mm-hmm. all of that. That actually was 
not easy for you, but it was something that you were ready and prepared for and Mm -hmm. totally handled. Right. And I have to push you somewhat in things that that are difficult for you so that you feel like you earned it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Because this is a big deal and this is important. And this is a thing that you earned. And sometimes you only recognize that you've earned something because it was hard. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, pushing ourselves Mm -hmm. to, okay, maybe we are going to fail. And pushing ourselves to, cool, we did a hard thing and now we succeeded. And now let's actually recognize that and go celebrate that, Mm -hmm. I think is really, it's valuable. Very, very important, you know, Um, because if you don't, if you do something big, and, and like that, and you don't get the get a positive recognition. It's like, great, what are you doing for me next? It's exactly terrible. Um, that's why I had to get out of sales. Oh, I was oh I was no. a sales engineer for a couple of years, and it was it was never um, the the great. We had a good quarter. Thank you very much for your work. Here's your money. Now it would last about twelve hours. And then it was, all right, so here's your goal for next quarter. Why aren't you on the phone working on it? Mm. You know? And it's it's hard. It's really hard. Um, Salespeople are aliens. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it is so odd to me because I, I know myself fairly well, and I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I fundamentally like to not be around people. I particularly like to not be around people I don't know. Um, and I have very different mental responses to things that a lot of salespeople respond very positively to. Right. Like nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with me. But it's it's fascinating when I'm at a sales event and I'm just like, you are not speaking a language I understand at all. Right. And so figuring out how to motivate people as a manager has been really interesting because you know, I'm very honest to my team about here are the things that motivate me. I am motivated by problems. I'm motivated by interesting things. I'm motivated by how do I break it? Right. Some people are motivated by money. Mm. Some oh, yeah. people are motivated by praise. Um, and I was like, you know, you have to help me figure out what your motivation is so that I can help you be more productive so that I can give you that motivation to make you want to get better at your job, do that thing. And it's been fascinating having some of those conversations because some people are like, I, I don't know what motivates me. Right. Okay, let's okay. figure it out. Yeah. Um, okay, um, so this is, this is going to be an awkward part because um, we've gotten through all the questions and this would be the point where I'd say, hey, could you want to share things with us? And also there appears to be people walking up my driveway. Oh, dear. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we, we might have to take a quick break while I deal with that because okay. I fully expect it's either kids selling something or missionaries. So um, I'm actually going to put push stop on recording because it takes sure. a couple minutes, you know. So this was this was uh, apparently uh, some young people uh, selling mattresses as a fundraiser. This is a that new is- one by me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is distinctly weird. Yeah. Uh, and now, and now, Dotson is out there crowing his head off because there were strangers in his yard, and the <laughs> the dogs are upset because there was a strange thing. I don't know if you can hear him, 
but I, I heard both Dotson and what I presume was either Lacey or Ernie. That was Lacey. Uh, or both. Yeah, or okay. possibly both, yeah. Um, and he's still going out there. Like, because um, I, I took the time to find out why Roosters Crow earlier today. And it's, uh, it, and most of it is around territory. Huh, okay. Yeah. Makes um, sense. So he's going to go until he's sure that everyone understands that these are his hens in his yard. That's important. Yes. Uh, but apparently, you know, traffic can set them off, cars going by, uh, uh, strange people in the yard. Um, if he selling hears. Selling you mattresses. I'm still confused. Yeah. A fundra- fundraiser by selling mattresses. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Um, That's got. Yeah, I'll look that up later. I'm betting it's a scam, but I maybe? yeah, I I don't know. Oh, hey, buddy. Yeah, he's he's on the porch right now. Um, okay, he's all right. I believe he is secure in his in his territory now. Um, Good job. Yeah. All right. Scare the scary mattress yeah. selling people away. <laughs> uh, they were they were very young. They were they were teenagers. They oh, uh, okay. yeah. So no, it was still. I've this is a new one by me. Magazines, candy, magazines, um, wrapping paper. Wrapping Actually, paper. I like the wrapping paper one. Yeah, it is about that time of year. Hmm? Uh, so, uh, uh, but um, mattresses. Mattresses. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's weird. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I miss the days when they would just hand them a box of candy and say, go sell this, and then the parents would end up buying it. Um, so eventually what I just did is uh-huh. I convinced my daughter's school when she was in public school to just set up a uh, GoFundMe. Oh. And I said, I will just give you money because I don't want to buy your candy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to buy your candles. I hate smelly candles. Yes. Um, I don't want to buy any more wrapping paper than I need. Please just let me hand you a check. And they were like, you would do that? And I was like, yes, yeah. please. And so I just handed the That's, check and that, it was so better. And that that makes me uh, – now I want to talk to the school about – because they don't really do fundraisers, but they're constantly saying, hey, we're trying to hit our goal for this year and yada, yada. And I'm like, my God, a GoFundMe. Yeah. So just, easy. Just, yeah, yeah. Make it online – like, even if you want to, like, hit up a couple of friends and be like, hey, my school is having this, you know, fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Do you want to, tri- you know, contribute? That'd be great. But, mm-hmm. you know, no one needs more tchotchkes around their house. We really don't. And, you know, I will happily chip in five or 10 or 50 bucks, depending on your level of ability, just to get you to go away. Like, I support my public schools. I want them to do well. I want them to thrive. I don't mind giving you money. But again, this goes back to I'm an introvert. I don't want to sell stuff. That is terrible. My daughter is an introvert. She doesn't want to sell stuff. We can give you a check and it'll all be better. So, yeah. So, all right. Try this again. Good. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, so uh, we're through all the questions. Um, is there anything you want to promote, or where can people find you online? Or um, I exist online under Cillin C Y L L A N or Lilisona L I L I S O N N A. Mostly in obscure corners of the internet. Although I do visit Twitter far too often for my own mental health. Um, yeah, 
<laughs> it's a thing. Um, uh, no, I don't really have a blog or anything that really yeah. needs promoting. Um, I, as I said earlier, um, possibly before we were recording, I am an internet old, mm-hmm. and part of being an internet old is being an internet obscure. Um, and I actually try very hard to exist in that space because the internet is a weird and scary place and it's only weirder and scarier. And and it's, it's strange because I went the opposite. I am internet old, but I am internet out there. I, you're also male. Uh, there's that. Um, and (laughs) I didn't, I, I honestly, I didn't want to be, I actively avoided it. And then I sort of fell in with this artist and didn't have a choice so (laughs) but yeah i'm also male and that that makes a big difference that really does and we could i could do a whole thing about how big a difference that makes but for those of you listening at home who happen to be white males consider how lucky you are that you don't have to put up with all the bullshit that is out there and go tell your friends to get their shit together (laughs) yes please um yeah yeah and you know Mm -hmm. i am also a privileged position because i am you know also white Mm -hmm. and cis and Mm -hmm. you know i i I am very grateful that because dear god it gets so much worse as you move down the privilege scale but even so i was like Nope. I, I am very happy in my internet obscurity. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. For, this was fun. Yeah, no, it was it was great. And um, I really enjoyed talking to you. And I hope everybody got a, a lot out of it. And for the people at home, we'll be right back. Thank you for taking the time out to be interviewed, uh, Lilisona. It was absolutely fantastic talking to you. Uh, thank you, Almog, for writing in. I hope we managed to help in our own special way. And I, I wish we could help more. I wish there really, was something I do, I do. like you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but it it's is- a universal misery, at oh, least if that God, helps. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so it is time to talk about our badge code for the week. Yes. I don't I didn't write anything specific down for uh Lila Sona, uh like I have with some of the other people as I'm I'm putting things on the list of of you know while I'm talking to them. Oh, this would be a great badge code. So, we're just going to go with Turkey Day. Turkey. Turkey Day. Yes. Yes. Uh is our badge code for those of you who haven't been Listening very long, we issue open badges following the Mozilla Open Badge Standard. You can go to the website. You can log in and enter a code in a little box that says, you know, enter here, put the badge code here. It says Turkey Day. And 
And then you will get a badge saying you listen to this episode that you can share on websites and things like that. Uh, at the moment, it requires the desktop site. I've been revamping the mobile site, and it doesn't like that login form right now. Working on that. Uh, I've had a couple of people write in to say. So that's that's a thing we do here, and it's kind of fun. And I give out badges to people who meet me. There were people who were excited at WindyCon to get the card with the code saying, I met Kevin. Um, <laughs> I give out their badges specifically for the people who are interviewed. And um, last week, uh, talking to Dee and Megan, they were so excited because they've been collecting badges and were really excited to, to be on the show. We should probably wrap it up because I just noticed the little orange cat is on top of the door with that I'm thinking of launching myself into space look. Yeah, she does that. That's normal. That's this is not no I'm used to that happening. It's like Sergey climbing on the desk behind me or into his cat bed over there and falling asleep. I'm just she, saying the the most convenient landing point from her position is your head. She usually doesn't aim for that, but it happens sometimes. Hey, sweetie. So that's really it for this week. Told you she wouldn't hit my head. <laughs> no, she she hit the back of Kevin's chair. And just kept going like she does. Sometimes she'll stop on the chair and then climb and lick my head, but not this time. Anyway, <laughs> for those of you who are having a holiday, for those of you in the U.S. who are having a holiday this weekend, uh, I hope you enjoy it. And for those of you who are just having Thursday, I hope it's a killer Thursday. Yeah, no, have an absolutely killer Thursday. For this week, normally we talk about here's ways you can support us. Uh, please... Take any money you would give to us this week and donate it to local a, food bank might be a, good this time exactly of year. That was exactly was going to say a food bank. Uh, anyone dealing with food insecurity, we don't need it. They do. Yes, and we'll tell you when the job hunt has gone on so long <laughs> that we're like, please give us more money. But uh, at yeah. the moment, we uh, buy a square meal for some people who need it. Absolutely. And uh, if you're not sure locally what to do with that um i know that there's some charities for the camp wildfire mm -hmm. that uh, and again uh, uh cash is usually the best to give because food pantries have wholesale buying power they and do. so a pound of beans or whatever that you pay full price for they can get like five meals buying wholesale mm -hmm. so oh yeah send them some cash mm -hmm. and uh that would be Good people to support right now. Yeah, the the Cora Food Bank here in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, uh, were a regular giver because they need it, and there's you know there's a lot of that going around. And they're they're doing good work. They are, and they they, mm -hmm. Lord knows, they are fighting the good fight with as many food banks are very little resources and vastly increasing need. Yes, and. Uh, a increasing attitude, as has been happening for the last 140 years, of being poor and hungry is a moral failing, not a societal failing. So, yeah. Anyway, they, I could go for another hour on that. Let's not. Let's not. You can find us on Facebook. You can like us there. Um, if you really want to, and you you can donate to our Patreon to coffee, you know, patreon.com, Ursula V, coffee.com slash Sunny. but still give it to your local food bank. They need it more than we do. And uh, if you really want to help us out or something and you're not a Patreon sponsor, I have a book coming out uh, Tuesday called Sword Heart that... Uh, that way, at least you get a book. Hey, yeah. Uh, the other thing is, of course, um, you can help by sharing this podcast with your friends who you think might like it uh, on social media, on you know Twitter and Facebook and Mastodon and all that good stuff. So that's that. Uh, I hope you guys have a good week and stay productive. Woo!